we're going to get ready to start tonight, we first of all want to pray for Dave Swiger, who is in the doghouse, not, but not with Brenda this time. Uh, he's been driving, and he came over and did some work at the church Tuesday. He just called me and told me that his nurse read him the riot act. He's Going there. Just leave it alone. 
this uh, video is kind of a just an introduction. We'll have some others, not today, but later on. Standing here in the city of David, the place where Jerusalem began. And if this is the city of David, it begs. Well, it begs the question: Where was King David's palace? Until 2005, all of this is underground. Our visitor center was directly above my head. One morning, a woman named Dr. Elat Mazar comes into our offices and says to us, you need to move your visitor center. We asked her why. She says, beneath your feet, you will find the palace of King David. So we said, Dr. Mazar, people have been excavating here in the city of David for nearly the last 150 years. No one's ever said that before. Come on, boy. I'm getting dizzy. Must be the spiral of death. Well, he's... What makes you so certain this is the place? So, she shows us a discovery made some 60 years ago of a royal Phoenician capital. Phoenicia is modern-day Lebanon, and this capital would have stood atop an ancient column or pillar in an important structure. Dr. Mazar says that this royal Phoenician capital proves that where I'm standing right now is the location of King David's palace. We asked her what's the connection, and she says in the second book of Samuel, chapter 5, King David has conquered Jerusalem. Immediately afterwards, he turns to his neighbors in the north, the Phoenicians, and in verse 11 it says, King Hiram of Tyre sent envoys to David with cedar locks, carpenters, and stonemasons, and they built a palace for David. Why do we find a royal Phoenician capital here in the city of David? Dr. Mazar says the reason is because it was the Phoenicians who built King David's palace. So Dr. Mazar begins to dig, and she finds to the north, to the east, walls more than 20 feet thick, and at the base of those walls, antiquities dating back to what she believes is the time of King David 3,000 years ago, strengthening her belief that she had discovered the palace of King David himself. Because when you're in the place where the Bible happened, the words of the Bible come to life. Listen. All right. So I did have the privilege of going to that site, and the visitor center is gone. <laughs> and uh, you can go out onto balcony areas overlooking the valley and see how the houses were built down the valley, much like you see in uh, some of the scenes from California, looking down valleys in San Francisco, uh, and houses were built off of the valley because the breezes will blow through the valleys and cool them off. And David. The time was come where last week we were looking at Mephibosheth and how that David had solidified his kingdom. He now had a palace in Jerusalem. That's where he brought Mephibosheth to. Uh, the whole country is under his, his rule and reign. And it says in the spring of the year, it happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle. Now why in the world 
would the spring of the year be a good time to go out to war? You know, it's his only king, did it? Right? They're, they're not going to be destroying crops. They're, they're, the weather has become better, but uh, for them it's severe. And so uh, that was a time when if you were having border clashes or you were trying to extend your kingdom, that's the time you would go out. You wouldn't want to have battles that destroy your food supply or your food chain. Uh, you wouldn't want to have that, that happen. So if you needed to be out there defending your your lands of your kingdom, Moab there was not doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was kicking back. So well, everybody needs a break. Yeah, I understand that. There's a whole concept that's going on today. I don't know if this was going on out in minerals out of the ground. And so the biblical, long before uh, the agriculturists had a say in it, the Bible was saying, you need to let some of your fields rest. And it doesn't mean you don't plant seed. You just plant it somewhere else. <laughs> you know, you're still working. You're still, you're not just kicking back for a year and saying, well, you know, preachers and teachers and evangelists. I can make something up if you want me to. <laughs> Jonathan Kahn. No. No, 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 I don't want that.
And that's why he was in the place that he shouldn't have been in. The, uh, you say, well, you know, it could have happened other ways. There's a reason that this scripture is in there. It's not an accidental scripture. When everybody else, all the kings were out doing what they were supposed to be doing and leading their troops, David was not where he was supposed to be. And the next verse then says, and when he was, he was restless and up at night, you know, how many of you ever noticed that when you have time to rest, you can't fall asleep? How many of you, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You're dead tired, you're yawning, I think I'll go to bed, you know, eyes wide open, you know, you can't sleep. <clears throat> Had that last last week, a week or so ago. Yeah, not just last week. The uh, I told Lynn, I said, well, I'm going, honey, I'm going to bed because I got to get up early to get the stuff on at the men's breakfast, get the coffee plugged in and get the things baking and, and cooking. And so I'm going to go to bed early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wonderful decision on my part. <laughs> Toss, turn, aggravating. You know, a couple hours later when Linda comes to bed, you still up? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm right here. Got all that extra sleep. It, uh, there's something about keeping going. Now, some people that have not opted into that work mentality. You know, you find at work that uh, some of the younger guys haven't developed that work ethic yet. You know, you know, they show up when they feel like it, or and they don't feel like it, they just don't show up. The being and doing what you're supposed to be doing and being is an important thing in the Bible. When we find that people from moving with God. They're in a bad position. That The strength is not there. They're not in the position to uh, Paul's instruction out of the Ephesian church. Neither give place to the devil. Paul's instructions to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 1 
the, the tendency for a body at rest to stay at rest. Uh, yes, we may be tired body in motion is to stay in motion, the tendencies. So the concept is uh, have you ever heard the, the, the adage, idle hands, we talked about David's palace being discovered and you saw the, the way that his overlooking of his palace overlooked the, the valley coming in and the way that he ultimately conquered against the Jebusites years before that. He built a palace, the, the people from Lebanon built the palace on that site to guard against, but the very place of his palace overlooking the other dwellings became a place where the enemy attacked him through his eyes. Now somebody, in a very gracious way, retell the story for me of what happens here. It's David, he can't sleep. He stayed back to rest, but yeah, he's up walking around. Uh, what does it say? He says, it happened one evening. The day, he'd gone to bed, right? But he couldn't sleep. And he's walking on the roof overlooking <clears throat> and he looks down. Somebody pick up the story. Anybody pick up the story? And there was Bathsheba taunting David. Yeah, and there was. <laughs> now was Bathsheba. There is in Bible times when it was dark, you went to bed. You know, you just. I'm getting ready to go to bed now, so I don't want to bother. <laughs> Bathsheba's house position is 
have had a choice. But we don't find a lot of words from the Lord about There's no indication it was a continuing event. Gracious, pick up the story. Come on, somebody be brave. Yeah. Well, once she becomes pregnant, then he tries to cover up his sin by calling back Uriah to spend time with his wife. I can then, fix this. Yeah, he thought he could fix it. I can then, fix this. Put him at the front of the, yeah. front of the line. 
Here's a guy that he was like he was honoring him. And all of Joab and the rest of the people, they see what's going on. They're losing respect for David. They don't know the full extent, perhaps, but they're losing respect. He wants to honor him one day. Now, he sends word out to Joab. He says, where's the battle the worst? <coughs> Send him and his troops there. And then you go around to his troops and you secretly tell them when you hear the trumpet sound, retreat and leave Uriah out there. And they sound the retreat. Uriah doesn't know. He's not been told. He stays and he's killed by the advancing troops. He was where he was supposed to be, but he didn't have the backup of everybody else being where they were supposed to be. So what happens now? Rest of the story. Continuing the story. Problem solved. That's what David thinks. Yeah. I got this. I got this. Look at verse 26 in chapter 11. <coughs> when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. <coughs> David thought he'd covered his tracks. What does this tell us? Not just about David, but us, anybody. Is anybody so spiritual and so close to God that they can't fall? No. And if we think we are in that position where we can't fall, we've already fallen a little bit. What else can we learn here about David and this whole thing that he's gotten himself into? Yeah? I think the opposite is true as well. As you look at David in the story, you see how as a man anyone can fall but then you see God's grace and love and mercy in that even in the greatest of falls, with God's help you could overcome and you could, you know, continue on and you could make amends and try to make things right. And so there's this story of the fall but also vindication and After repentance. Yeah, repentance. After repentance. Yeah. yeah. David was trying to make his sin right or to cover it up. It doesn't work. Uh, can I get somebody to read Psalm? Uh, Psalm 19, verse 12. Well, scratch that, scratch that. I need somebody to read for me Numbers 32, 23. Numbers 32, 23. This comes into play. Okay, very loose guy. All of you turn to it because various translations will render it a slightly different. 
and said, you are the man. Gas. <laughs> One of the most poignant scenes in the Bible. What does this tell us about sin? What does this tell us about God? What does it tell us about David? What does it tell us about us? Well, from, for, for David, it, it shows that he kind of forgot about his sin. Like he thought he was okay. He thought he'd sufficiently covered it up. Nobody knows. I married her. Everything's cool now. I have a baby boy, you know. Everything's fine. And he had gotten into a relaxed state again. He wasn't seeking the Lord. Why don't you think he was seeking the Lord? So he had distanced himself. He had put this all behind him. It's, it's non sequitur. There's nothing about it anymore. What does it tell us about Nathan? Not our Nathan, but Nathan, Nathan. Because yeah. Pastor Jamie was just about ready to break his finger. <laughs> what does it tell us about Nathan? He was willing to put himself in possible danger to let him know that God is displeased and he's not hiding anything. Yeah. When you're pointing your finger of accusation in the face of somebody who has just killed someone and the person hadn't even done anything wrong. You're right, had done absolutely nothing wrong. He was serving his country. He stayed in battle. He refused to compromise his position. He had done nothing wrong. And he's brutally killed on the battlefield. Nathan has to be realizing this when he points his finger in the face of, of King David. He, is it always going to be easy to confront sin? Notice he did not go on his own. It's not that we're to go out and we're going to be the avenging angel. God spoke to him and sent him and gave him the, the plan of what to say. And gave him the boldness to, to say it to David. What else can we learn from this, this segment right here? There's a lot of things to follow, but looking at this, this segment right here, what else can we learn about David, about Nathan, about human nature, about hiding our sins? Anything else? <clears throat> Yeah. It doesn't make David look as righteous as he was. I mean, yeah. don't look like he is as godly as he was being <coughs> most of the time. Turned his eyes off God to do that. Yeah. He uh, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And as a result, he was open for the temptations of the enemy. Satan is walking about like a roaring lion looking for 
your weak spot <coughs> and mine. Also, Pastor, when David did that, tried to cover it up, he missed the blessing from God because if he would confess to God, God would bless him and take care of him, but he tried to cover it up, so he lost out of all that. Yeah. And that was really to cover up our sin. When we try to cover it up, when we try to think, I got this, I got this. Um, this, this concept that we have here with David is that he's trying to cover it up and train just left the building there for more. There was a derailment in my head. I had it there for a moment. But uh, Nathan, Nathan pointed out to him and he was hit with the reality of it. But it's a, it's a dangerous place to be. He was ang David was angry. That man will surely die. As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. Boy, I bet he wished he had those words back. What else could we learn from him? Yeah. Nathan, uh, I think he had wisdom. The Lord gave him wisdom on how he approached the story. Mm -hmm. And basically, uh, kind of painted David, so to say, and, you know, painted himself in a corner, you know. And then the reaction, and he was able to come on, then Nathan was able to come on, you know, with full force. Because David jumped in with both feet. Yeah. You know, and he's like, oh, you know. So it was, it was a lot of wisdom, and I'm sure the Lord helped Nathan then. Yeah, yeah. Is it any wonder that Jesus enclosed many of his uh, strongest principles in parables mm -hmm. to teach us and to people would say, well that, the person that helped him, that was the good Samaritan, that was the you know, the person that was his neighbor. Anything else that you see here before we cover an important <coughs> aspect of this? Another important aspect. It's hard for us <coughs> To go against just a friend or some family member and confront them with their sin. Yeah. Not less going against a king. Yeah. So you know God was on his side when he talked to David. He couldn't David have done it by himself. His own volition. He couldn't have done it on his own. No, he he was in the center of God's <coughs> purpose and plan, and <coughs> he comes in, bows before the king. King, let me do this. King's, oh, okay, yes. You need my wisdom here. So, if I confront anybody, God can make me do it. <laughs> Thank you. Good enough. Good enough. Disclaimer. I can't confront nobody anyway. The Lord made you do it, right? <laughs> so, everybody's forewarned now. If you see it coming up to you, and he has one of those looks on his face, he has his pointed finger out, just, just be wary of that. Of course, that gives, I think you just shut yourself in the foot, brother. Somebody else. I know it. Like when they start coming towards you, all these fingers pointing back. Oh, I've never, I couldn't work it out. We see here that even though David had done his best to cover it up, and he thought that through all of his, I mean, it got to the place where he murdered this guy. Yeah. It, but he could rationalize, well, I didn't technically kill him. Uh, the enemy killed him. The Ammonites killed him. Yeah, right. 
we see that this secret sin is brought to light and God knows our secret sins. You say, well, I don't have any. Okay. Well, that's good. But we all have things that either our thoughts, either our thoughts, words, deeds, or things undone that can be sin. To him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin too. I'd like to look at some verses about secret sins. What the Bible has to say. I need first of all somebody to read Psalm 19 verses 12 through 14. He'll do that. It's a slow night tonight in the house. Quentin's going to take that one. Uh, Psalm 90 verse 8. You wanted a one verse wonder? You got it here. Mary Lou's got it. Psalm excuse me, Ecclesiastes 12, 14. Another one verse wonder. Okay. She's got it. So Samantha's got it. So let's let's go with the Psalm 19, 12 through 14. And these are just a sampling. There are many other places where it speaks of this. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, and I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God knows our secret faults and things that we may have hidden from anyone else, everyone else. And David here in Psalm 19 acknowledges that. I think it's interesting that God spoke this. I bet that word came back to haunt him. I've tried to hide this. I've tried to uh, do whatever I could to keep anybody from finding out, to hide my sin. But he said, put the words there, cleanse me from secret faults and keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. What is, what would be a presumptuous sin? What is presumptuous? Something that you presume. You presume? <laughs> Thank you, Tom, for clarifying that. What would it, what it would look like for you to be presumptuous about something? Expecting. Continuous. Expecting different outcomes. What? Inappropriate, going like above and beyond, but it's expected, like in a bad way, whether it's expected or the norms. Yeah, over the top kind of behavior. I had it explained to me one time this way the sins that you commit because you believe the rules don't apply to you. Presumptuous. Well, I'm the king. I can do 
whatever I want, then why are you trying to hide it? Presumptuous sins. That we feel that it applies to everybody else, but not to us. Well, yes, that's 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 wrong, but you know, I you know I'm special. Some people believe that they have a special relationship with God, that God will let them get away with stuff that He doesn't let other people get away with. Like counterfeiting software? What? Like counterfeiting software? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll have you know that that is not counterfeit software. <laughs> it is the real deal. We just smack her. It's your turn to smack her. Or to hammer the Be sure your sin will find you out. Uh, 
Ecclesiastes 12, 14. For God will bring every deed into judgment, every secret thing, whether good or evil. Every secret thing, good or evil. Be sure your sin will find you out. Now, next time we'll, I won't be here next week, our guest lecturer will be Mike Butterworth. He'll be sharing a message with you next week. And while we are enjoying warm temperatures, <laughs> in, uh, in Florida, but uh, the week after that, when we get back, we're going to be looking at the consequences of David's sin. We'll be looking at his psalm of repentance. And we have in the scriptures the psalm that David wrote after his <coughs> sin with Bathsheba and con confrontation by Nathan. There's a whole psalm about it. And we're going to explore that because God turned situations around that there were consequences, very severe consequences. Sometimes the Lord lets us off with kind of a slap on the wrist, but not this one. It was a very severe, uh, yes. Well, that's because <clears throat> David wasn't taking that sin to the Father and asking forgiveness and helping him get through this. He was trying to hide it and he was sinning deliberately and he never went to father about it so he, he was trying to hide it just like a lot of people could have because the Lord would have guided him away from that sin yeah. that temptation he listened to Psalm 19 <laughs> huh? and they, David when he is confronted though as was mentioned earlier when he is confronted he just kind of collapses it's been found out. And the psalm that we'll be looking at looks at his repentant heart and tells us what was going on inside David when he was trying to cover the sin of Paul. We need to take heed. We need to watch your step. That's what my mom was. Watch your step. Did <laughs> anybody ever tell you that? Watch your step. You weren't talking about how I was walking. I was talking about how I was living. Yeah. Watch your step. Watch your step. And then uh, other things. Watch your mouth. That, that was another phrase I got quite a bit. Other prayer requests. Uh, Joanne Kaufman is, is still in the nursing home recovering. Uh, went to visit. What? I'm sorry, what was the name of the nursing home? It is Meadow Grove in Grove City. Meadow Grove. I think it's on Blue Star. Is that right? I think so. Grove City. Grove City. Meadow Grove. Uh, went over to Doctor's Hospital. We got word that Carl Morrow uh, was taken in by the squad yesterday. And Monday. What? Monday. Monday. He was confused. He said yesterday. So somebody was confused. Okay, well, she'd know. He, he lost a day somewhere. But he was having TIAs, uh, those mini strokes, and now his heart is beating irregularly. And uh, I was talking with him, and he says, yeah, he says, 
the older the car gets, the more things break. <laughs> but I feel good. <laughs> so be praying for Carl. Yes. How's Dave? How's Dave? Oh, you missed that. You missed that. You just said it now? No. I said it earlier. You weren't here yet. I'm God. Before you can. Be sure your sin will find you out. <laughs> Just a day. Dave, he, I want to he came that. Sunday. He's here Sunday. And uh, drove. And then Tuesday he was here. And if you go to the south lobby, you'll see the beautiful wood plaque that's up there, the amazing grace plaque that's up there. Uh, he hung that uh, Tuesday as he drove in to the church. <laughs> and he called me just a little bit before the service started tonight and uh, said, uh, I'm in trouble. I'm in the doghouse, not with Brenda, but with the, the nurse. You did what? <laughs> he wasn't supposed to drive for about six weeks <laughs> or do anything else, like lift things and screwdrivers and <coughs> all kinds of things like that. So uh, he's in the doghouse and so he needs prayer for patience. It's not good with patience. But it really looks nice in the lobby when he gets <laughs> He got in trouble for him. Other prayer requests tonight. How, how, any update on your brother and the surgery? Oh, yes. I felt so bad. He, he had a an interesting night, they, but they found a blood clot in his lung, mm. um, and so it's a continuing saga. I did get a chance to talk to um, my niece, and she said this is day 46, and I mm. thought, wow, um, they're, you know, they're feeling it, but they're all taking turns. And he's got five daughters, and they've just been mm. rotating, and um, so anyway, but. Hopefully the cortisol level will continue to go down. It has okay. been going down, and so, um, but this, for the right time. this kept him busy last night. <laughs> yes. Chris's sister, Sherry, S-H-E-R-E-E, -E, she, um, sounds like Sherry, but it's Sherry. She um, goes back to the doctor tomorrow, as I understand, and um, she's already had one heart cath where they said they think they need to replace a valve, be it mechanical or an animal or power, you know. And now they're saying that um, they're going to do another heart cath because they want to look at the other side. And she's freaked out now because they're saying it could be open heart um, surgery. So just for wisdom for the doctors and just prayer for that. Yes. So I brought a challenge. Um, about three weeks ago, the skeptics said they should try to put themselves in a position to receive from God. If you're really open, right, um, put yourself in a position. You know, how does God speak? He speaks to us in personal communication and, and mostly through His Word. So why don't you pray and read His Word? Why, you know, why, if you're really trying to seek after truth. So my interlocutor, Scott, took me up on it, so kind of surprisingly. So we're 15 days in. And uh, every day we've been. You know, we've been, I've been posting a, a, a chapter of the Bible to read and listing different things to pray for and pray about. And he's been a pretty good support about it. So, you know, we spent 
three or four years hitting all the intellectual arguments for God's existence. And uh, now it's completely out of my hands, and this is the Holy Spirit's wheelhouse. So pray that, that, that his heart is softened. And uh, Scott. Scott, yeah, pray his heart is softened. And the cool thing, we were studying this this morning. When the word gets in there, however, even if it's unwillingly, they, he's read it. It's in there for the Holy Spirit to touch. Amen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, he said the other day, I see a theme in, in this. And I'm like, well, it must be a theme that you're kind of uh, placing on the text because I've just been trying to find a nice swath of things, you know, from the Old and New Testament that just have to do with our relationship with God and His relationship with us. So it'd be interesting to find out what. You know, what, what he's talking about there, because yeah. I definitely haven't been lining anything up in particular, so God must be in some way speaking to him, so yeah. it would be an absolute miracle. Praise so. God. Praise God. Yes. I, uh, <clears throat> I want us to reach out for my son and Beth, <clears throat> and especially the grandkids. Now, Buzzy, the oldest one, he went through two, um, two divorces. Now the two little ones, I don't know how they're taking it now or whatever, it's like it's not real. But it's going to be pretty rough on them too, my grandkids, my two youngest. But um, they need prayer. They're, she's, they're settling now with a divorce thing. What do you call it? Disillusionment. But, uh, it's going to be really hard on the kids. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's coming up either in the yeah. future. Yeah. <clears throat> it's hard on Eric too. Yeah. yeah. Other prayer requests tonight before we go to prayer. Well, let's let's go to prayer. Can we have several lead us out tonight in prayer? I'll close in a little bit. <laughs> Father God, we come before you tonight with a lot of, a lot of needs, a lot of sick, sick people. Father God, going through procedures and decisions from the doctors and the nurses, and as we're able to touch people with your Holy Spirit to get them closer to you, Father God, and the families that are going through a difficult time, and the kids feel the brunt of that, Father God. And I pray you just intervene with every situation that's going on, reach down and touch everybody that's sick, and just put your healing hand on them, be with the doctors and nurses, and guide them in the right direction. Lord, use us to change someone's life through your word and through your spirit. It doesn't matter who they are, where they're coming from, Father, but I pray you put us in an opportunity position to plant that word in their heart somehow, some way, that that word will grow, that one day they'll realize that you are a true, the coolest person ever to have in their life, Father God. And I pray you use us to touch someone. Lord, I just want to pray for our pastor and his family as they get ready to go on their trip. Down to Florida, Father God. I pray that they do not worry. They just relax and don't worry about nothing. But let them refresh and have a good time down there together as a family. Give them travel mercies there and back. Let nothing go wrong. Let them have beautiful weather. And let them have so much fun to just relax and protect each one of them safely. In your precious name, amen. Jesus.
Father, Lord, we reach out to you for Marcia's brother and Chrissy's sister and Dave, brother Dave, Lord. They all been worked on and looked at by doctors and we know that they're in your hands. But we pray, Father, for a miracle. We, we pray that it's just not metal and tubes and animal parts. We pray, Father, that you just go right in there and just heal them completely with your Holy Spirit and your Holy Power. You're the same God today as you were yesterday, Jesus, yes. and you walked among the people and you just laid hands on them and you just shouted it out and they were healed. And we pray that now, Lord, for everybody in here that's reaching out to you, that you answer the prayer and they can see it and then the church will be edified, Lord, when they hear yes. these miracles. And the people around them will see some amazing, amazing thing that only came from you. Yes. And we pray, Father, for them. And more people that are calling out to you in here. But, Lord, I just ask especially for Marcia and Chrissy and Brother Dave, that you touch their bodies in a very special way. And let, let it be known, Lord. You've done it before. You've done it in here. And we just pray that you do it again. In Jesus' name. Lord God, we do lift up Eric and Beth and the kids and the whole family walking through this challenging time. And Father, we there's things we don't know how to pray, but we call upon your name for you to step in and move in a powerful way. We ask, Father God, that you would change hearts, change minds, change attitudes, change accent. But we also ask that you would put your hands around the children and insulate them. Insulate them from the scars that would come. We pray, Father, for your touch in this. Give wisdom. Send the right people at the right time. And we pray, Father, that you would just let everybody know that you're involved in this situation as we keep praying over it. We ask, Father God, for so many that need a healing from Joanne, restoring strength to her, and Carl Morrow, and, and Sherry, and, and Jim, and each one that needs a healing in their bodies. That, Father, that you would be glorified in it that people would see what you've done and lift up your name. And Lord, we pray for divine, holy opportunities. Yes, Lord. We lift up this one called Scott, and we pray, Father, for you, as the word is going in, you touch it. Yes. We know what you can do when you touch your word on the inside of our hearts. We ask, Father God, that you you touch your word. And it's not that we want him to know the word. We want him to know the living word, Jesus. We pray for a divine moment here. For all of these things, Father, we give you praise in advance because we know you're, you're not someplace you're not supposed to be. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Right here, right now, with your people. We ask your touch in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God.